0: All right, well, thank you guys for being here. Uh, tonight's one of those unique nights. We're going to be all over the place, and I'll just be honest with you about that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, all over the place. So, all right, let's get started. Tonight, I have the, the pretty awesome task to talk to you guys about biblical manhood. And like Ryan said, uh, as, as ladies, I'm going to shoot straight with you. I'm going to talk directly to the guys tonight. So you're thinking, well, what's this going to do for me? You're going to have the opportunity to, me to, hold their, for, to see me hold their feet to the fire using this, okay? It's nothing personal that I'm going to say to guys. Uh, it's all out of love. Most of these guys have gone through some discipleship stuff with me before. It's everything that we're going to look at tonight is going to be looking through the lens of Scripture, okay? So, girls, as, as you hear me, I want you to help me encourage them to grow into the godly men that God wants them to be. So is that a good covenant with us? Are we good, girls? I'm talking to you now? Okay, awesome. All right, let's get rolling. So in today's culture, I'm gonna stand this up because it's easier for me to see. Today's culture, talking about biblical manhood, really we have a hard time knowing what biblical manhood is. When I say that, let me hear from you and we'll we'll give you just a few seconds. What, What is biblical manhood? My point exactly. We, we have a hard time with this because culture doesn't really tell us anything. Culture doesn't tell us what it's like to be a man. As a matter of fact, if you go Google about biblical manhood, you'll see literally millions of different sites will come up and probably about 500,000 different views, gender equality, what, what is a man, what is a woman, uh, what is the middle gender that, well, I don't feel like I'm either one now, so I'm just going to pick something in the middle. We have no idea. We're all over the place when it comes to, comes to biblical manhood because of this. Uh, also, this, this leads us to the fact that we, we don't have anything to aim at. So we're, we're going to talk through that tonight. Um, so what culture is doing is instead of offering us some direction, some understanding on this, the only thing that they've done is they're spending so much time stressing equality. And let's face it, there's never been a day that's gone by where I'm like, oh, I wish I was a girl. I want to kind of feel what that feels like. I've never felt that. Why? Because God made me this way. And I hope that you guys have not ever been like, oh, I wonder what it feels like to be a dude. See, culture spends so much time focusing on these things that they miss the mark of us being able to celebrate uniqueness diversity today I sat in a room full of pastors over at West Rome um, and there were probably about 50 of us in there and today for the first time I can honestly say that I was in a room full of white pastors and black pastors that came together and said we want to see Jesus proclaimed in our city you know what we were talking about today calling out the men in our culture why do we have to do that? Because, let's put it this way, as young men, as boys, we're confused because we don't have anything to shoot towards. Statistics prove this. The U.S. Department of Justice gives us these stats. 90% of murders are committed by men. 88% of robberies are committed by 75% of all people arrested are men. Men. Why is that? Well, um, I'm going to tell you something that ladies, they already know, we're confused. The reason we're confused is because culture's not told us anything about what it's like to be a man of God, not even to be a man. So if we don't have any direction, we just kind of wander through life and float through life, not really knowing what to do. So if we don't know what to do, we settle for less. And it's so unfortunate because, you know, we hear about, the having the the abundant life in christ Uh, we hear about living life to the fullest when we do these things we're settling and we're not really living to the fullest we're not having an abundant life Um, so we're confused now let me let me ask you this what what got us to this place culture obviously culture does a lot of this stuff for us Um, Culture is one of these things that changes, it moves all over the place. If if you try to aim at culture, you're going to miss every time because right about the time you're about to hit where culture is, it's shifted onto something else. So out of culture, and I want you to lean in because we're about to get really real. Out of culture, there's some things that have have warped the whole manhood talk. Here they are. These aren't original to me. They're from a study that I did a few years ago. Racism. Racism warps biblical manhood why because if you have one race that looks down upon another race and dehumanizes those folks those folks feel less than human so if i feel less than human because of the oppression that somebody else has put on me then i'm not going to live and blossom into the man that god wants me to be racism has had a lot to do with this Uh, The the Industrial Revolution, we won't go into history. I know you guys talk about this all in school, but you know this is the time that the men left the home for the first time. They're not working around the house. So because they're away from the home, they're leaving a void around the house. They come in late at night. They're tired. They want to go to the recliner and say, look, I've, I've had a hard day. I don't want to be messed with. Let me just go sit and chill and not input anything into my family the Industrial Revolution, Uh, the war years obviously have taken men away from us as well. And so as men in the family setting, now realize, men do not have authority over women. Let me say that first. Men, do you hear me say that? Girls, do you hear me say that? A man does not have authority over you. Where we're talking about headship of a family only works within the confines of a family. We'll talk about that later, too. So in that family role, as the man was gone, the headship of the family was gone. So those roles were filled by women because of the war years, because of the Industrial Revolution. So what happened? Feminist movement. The feminist movement has greatly squashed down gender roles, uniqueness of gender, and what it means to be a man. So, and here's the last one. This is where it gets real. And there's nobody in this room, per se, I don't think that this will offend. Another thing that has affected manhood extended adolescence. What is extended adolescence? Does anybody know what that is? After you come back from college, your mom and dad have invested thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars upon you, um, and you, after you graduate college, you move back home, you move into your basement, you kind of fall back into the adolescent stage that you left, you're playing video games, you're sitting around, mom, can you do my laundry? The man hasn't stood up. These things have affected this whole This whole problem with our culture and what we understand what it means to be a man. So moving forward, uh, I want to look at some of these things. And as we do, we're going to go back. We're going to go all the way back to the original design. We're going to go all the way to Genesis. If you have your Bible, if Bryce is really fast or someone, they'll put it on the screen for me. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2. We're going to kind of float around. I should not have ate that stuff before I walked up here. We're going to go all the way back to the original design. Why do I say the original design? Because what I'm going to tell you now is, is before the fall. Uh, and we'll talk about how that's affected that here in just a few moments, too. But So back in the original design, you see this. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, this is, this is what the Bible says. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Right? Yes, if I want to lead to a, a very masculinity, male dominated world movement, that's what I would say. But look at what it says there male and female, he created them. Men, you are no more special than those precious ladies that sit next to us. We're all created equal in the eyes of God. Outside of a marriage, you have no authority over a young lady whatsoever. Ladies, don't ever let a young man have authority over you. Look. God created both of us in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them so what does this mean it means this now like I said I'm going to be talking to the guys so ladies you're in this but just speaking directly to the guys just for a moment it means this is that you're created in the image of God so God intends for you to be like him the big thousand-dollar word is a Deo anybody ever heard of that that's the imprint of God the image of God is actually imprinted on your life because God wants us to be like him original design so we see that all the way back to the beginning now so if we're created like God what that's awesome what does it mean that we're supposed to do look at the next verse verse 28 says this God said to them be fruitful multiply and fill the earth subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth in these two verses I want to give you two words that some guys coined this phrase everybody that I've read Vody Bacham, John Piper, Paul Tripp uh, whomever else I've read they all talk about this same idea what these two verses tell us but here here they are two words I want you to take home and put in your pocket biblical manhood means that you were made to create and cultivate wait a minute what about masculinity what about being strong being able to go over and lift this up because I'm a protector and that's what I'm supposed to do I'm supposed to beat my chest and that's not, that that is not a picture of biblical manhood whatsoever David played an instrument he was a what after God's own heart? I, I didn't hear you. A what? A man. See, it's not about the brawn, it's not about how big your muscles are, it's about being a man of God, and in that manhood, it has nothing to do with brute strength, masculinity, how much testosterone you've got rolling through your system, how much you have to shave, do you have to shave every hour, do you scratch your chest because there's hair that (coughs) grew like that when you just coughed, that has nothing to do with manhood, that is not what being a man is about. Culture has lied to us. Culture tells us if you're not the strongest cuss out on the field, you're not a man. Football is for men, right, Sam? Yeah. Anybody else think that? Wrong. I watched a lot of girls play football this year. That theory's out the window. Walking onto a gridiron doesn't make you more of a man than it does somebody that's double X and walks out there. That's X, X chromosome. That's what girls are. For you science freaks. So my point is this, those theories all go out the window. Anything that you try to prove that culture says this is what it means to be a man, I can probably find a way to say, out, out. But when we look at the Bible, like I said tonight, when we look at this through the lens of the gospel of the Bible, we see that you were made to create and cultivate. What does that mean? Create means this, to bring something into existence, to produce through imaginative skills. Cultivate means this, to foster the growth of, to improve by labor, care, or study. You know, create. Part of our job is in the confines of a marriage, you are made to procreate, to fill the earth. If Christians don't have babies, guess what? We lose because everybody out there in the world is going to win. Now, realize, Christians can't have Christian babies, but as a family unit, a man and a wife, have a child or even adopt a child, bring a child into their family, they are on the journey of stewarding that child into womanhood or manhood. And part of that journey is to teach them the ways of God. So we are called to create. We're called to do this, but it's more—it's more than just having babies. It's about as men. We like to—we like to build things. We like to complete tasks. Uh, we like to. Cr- some some people like to paint. That's not my gift, but I know some people that like to paint. There's some men that like to go out and sit and journal. Somebody that we know very well, I won't say who that is, but loves to do that. They love to create, create their thoughts and put them on paper. Does that make them any less of a man? No, it's showing that they're doing their God-given ability and talent. We are made to create. We're made to have, we're made to be authoritarian. uh, All of us as humans are. Listen to this passage. You've heard it before. Genesis 128. Bryce is going to put that back up there. I want you to focus in on on a few words. Look at it. Fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue, dominion. All of those are words of authority. Create, cultivate, I mean, you know, words of stewardship over part of this creation thing. That's what, that's what we're talking about here. Um, cultivate, we know, we won't read this passage of Scripture, but you know in the Bible, after God created Adam, created man, he formed a garden in the east Eden he took man and put him in the garden in the east to do what to the garden to take care of it to cultivate the land to maintain those are things that we naturally do why because that's how God created us before the fall so now with this idea of create and cultivate how should we respond as men all right here's where it comes guys this is the way we need to respond If this is what God's call for us is to create and cultivate, we need to do this. We need to lead in this effort. It's time for us to stand up. The Bible is very clear about what leadership looks like. SOU folks, you've been to SOU. Where does leadership begin? At the feet of Jesus. Men, that's where we have to start. We lead by surrendering. That is the most beautiful picture of of protective male uh, uh, leadership authority that they can do is we lead by surrendering, by submitting. That's a word that most of the time we as men is like, I don't submit, she submits to me. (laughs) Read your Bible. You'd better submit to the authority of the Lord if you want anything to do with understanding what it means to be a man. That's where it starts. And, and, and I would say, you know, look at the gross neglect of men in our churches, but that's not where it starts. It doesn't start with, man, you need to be in church. That's what a man is about. No, a man is about being in his home, leading his family having worship time with them, reading the Bible together, growing together, talking about the things of God. If you're a man and you have children, making sure that your schedule allows you time to be home when your children come home so you can sit down and talk to them, be there when they're upset, be there for emotional support for your wife. That's what manhood's all about. Man, it's time for us to lead. We've sat on our hands way too much with this, and we've allowed I'm, I don't mean this, not allowed. Because we have neglected the position that we're supposed to be in, in leadership of our family, the ladies have had to step into a role that God never intended them to be. Women, I don't want that to be, sound hostile towards you. Thankfully, you have picked up the, the banner and started carrying it where we as men have failed to do those things. I know that sounds chauvinist because culture says that otherwise. But in that leadership, it's about protection. It's about caring for my family. It's about I will die to myself if my girls are okay. That is being all the way in. Guys, we've dropped it. We're we're not into anything. We coexist. We have to start there. We start by trusting in the Lord for our salvation. After that, we look to Him and we model our life after Jesus because Jesus is the one that models creating and cultivating relationships throughout His whole life and this whole journey that we see. If we want to be biblical men, we have to follow the biblical man that we see throughout the scriptures. So we lead by submitting. We also celebrate the way that God has wired us. I talked about this a little bit. It's not about, hey, I'm not this brute, brawny, hairy, strength-bound, knuckle dragon sloth that I can just walk through a wall and nobody will come and dare tear my family down. If that's not me, then don't try to be that person. Guys that I've discipled, I've told you this before. who, Who is the only person in life? I don't mean this. As, as big, awesome, who's the only person in life that I try to model my life after? Do you guys know? Have, y'all remember what I said? Me, 10 years from now. 10 years from now, I will be a better person of who I am today. That is the only person that I can be 10 years from now. I can never be Billy Graham. Why would I want to model my life after Billy Graham? I can never be Dr. Tony Evans. Obviously, I'm not black, but you know what I mean. But I can never be Dr. Tony Evans. I can never be Vody Bacham I can never be these guys that I read, that I enjoy their stuff. Why would I want to try to develop my life and center it around trying to be that person? If I'm a high school kid in basketball and I want to be LeBron James, guess what? I will never be LeBron James. But you know who I will be? I will be Bob Egan 10 years from now. I better make sure that that's a better person of who I am. As I submit to the authority of the Lord and I follow him, that's what we focus on when it comes to biblical manhood. Don't worry about what this guy looks like, how this guy acts, because that is that guy. If God wanted you to be that guy, you know what he would have done? He would have made you that guy. But God has made you the unique, artistic, drama, sport, whatever your jam is, scholastic. God has made you that person. Celebrate that. Whoever you want to be. Here's where it gets real. What else can we do right now? We can cultivate relationships. We are the ones that are initiators of the relationships. We're the ones that go up to people and say, Hey, I'm Bob. How are you? What's your name? Yeah, it's nice to meet you. Hey, I'm Bob. What's your name? Samantha. Samantha, good. You go into a room, you're on the room. Hey, not looking past you, but I need a guy. Hey, how are you? What's your name? Lucas, yeah. Obviously, I know all of his names, and I'm trying to prove a point here. I don't know your name. Hold on. Hey, I'm Bob. Hey, I'm Riley. Riley, good to meet you. You're sitting next to Katie and Laura. I don't know if you knew that. Okay, good. Um, so, but my, my point is this, and, and I'll get this on record, too. Are you guys recording? Hey, I'm Bob. I'm so much better than Topher Stockton. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Topher's my boy. He's going to hear that. He's about Shut up. Anyway, <laughs> but but my point is this, is that we have to lead out in these efforts We cultivate relationships. Here's where I'm about to get real. Put your seatbelt on. I'm about to hurt some feelings in here. Right, okay, you with me? Cultivate relationships by giving your wife something to anticipate. (laughs) Dude, I'm not married. You're right, you're not. And Chances are that sweet honey that you're dating right now will not be the girl that you marry. What are you anticipating for your wife? The reality of it is, is that are you giving your wife something to anticipate? This is somebody that you don't even know. You need to lead in that effort. What do I mean? Well, I mean this. The American model of dating in our culture today, do I need to say it? It's not biblical. Why in the world... Would we want to put ourselves in a position where it's like, "Ah, you know what? (laughs) I've already given myself away to that person. Uh, I gave myself away to that person. Ah, I gave myself away to that person a lot of times. uh, I've given myself away to this person. And guess what? Your future wife, 10 years from now, may be sitting there saying, I am waiting on a godly man, and I'm not going to date. And then you come in. You find this girl, she is everything that you've dreamed about, and she finds out that you're not everything she's dreamed about. Guess what she's going to do? She's going to leave you in the dust. See, the American model for dating today says this, you've gone too far. Why? Because I guarantee you, most of you in this room, if you date, if you have dated, whatever the case is, you've said this at one point or the other with your boyfriend or with your girlfriend since I'm talking to the guys Probably the guys didn't say this. It was the girl. I think we probably went a little too far last night. Guess what? You did. When I was in student ministry for all those years, people would come up to me and then ask me, they'd say, Pastor Bob, Pastor Bob, how do do I know if me and Sally have gone too far? I'm like, you have. Just because of the fact that you're sitting here in my office asking me how far is too far. You have gone too far. Don't give yourself away for something less than what it is. All right, so listen to what, uh, this somebody I read a lot, this is what Vodi Bacham says. Vodi Bacham really bashes dating in America. He says this, dating in our culture today is like going to the store with no money. You either leave disappointed because you can't buy anything or you take something that's not truly yours. Mm, that stings. He also goes on to say this. And I'll quote this, if I can find it here. Uh He says, in the Bible, you don't have the idea of two people who just kick it because they like each other for right now. That's how you end up with the wrong one. Here it comes. You get involved before you evaluate. You get involved before you evaluate. That is a problem. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're 15, 16, 17 years old... And you've never thought about what the person that you want to spend the rest of your life looks like. When you find that fine girl, you know what you're going to say. I like her. Well, how do you know you like her? <laughs> She's in the room. <laughs> she may have blonde hair, Katie. She may have blonde hair. But then, when Katie breaks your heart because she gets smart and realizes you're not like the leader of a guy that she wants you to be, when The brown haired girl walks in, you go, I like brown haired girls, (laughs) you've never really thought about who you are, who you want to be, and who you want to date. You don't evaluate before you get emotional. Listen to this, Suzanne and I have a couple that used to mentor us a lot um, when we were in Houston. Uh, the Cullens, Gabriel knows who they are, they have like, and it's not the vampire Cullens, let me back up a little bit, I forgot what culture we're in. Uh, it's not the vampire Cullens, you know, they're not really that cool. But so, they, they, they mentored Suzanne and I, very early on in marriage. You guys were, most of you guys weren't even born, you guys were like months old, because you're my daughter's age. So, they had five kids, spectacular kids. True story, this is what they did with their girls by the time they reached 11, 12, 13 years old, they had their daughters, they would say, honey, sit down, and I want you to take this piece of paper and pencil, and I want you to draft out 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 different characteristics and attributes of the man that you want to marry. Now, obviously, they didn't use those words, because they be like, what's an attribute, daddy? But, you know, so, so they, had them, they had them write that out. So they created this list. They would look over this list. They would talk about why they got to this list together. And then they would fold this up, and they would put it away until they met that man and then they would pull that list out and they would compare and guess what both of those girls have successfully married the man of their dreams and i know you're probably sitting here today thinking oh well what do you know at 11 or 12 or 13 years old you really don't know who you want to be with what your husband's like or anything like that i think differently see because by the time you're 11 12 13 years old culture has not affected your mind and warped your mind and taught you things that probably aren't godly and biblical and told you like this is who you need to be with why because this is the type of body of a girl that you see on tv all the time it's shaped like this and so therefore you need to look for these types of girls by the time ladies when you're 11 or 12 or 13 years old you know who you want to be with because culture hasn't warped your mind write that down now the reality of it is is that it's too late for you guys and I want to say this, girls don't settle, don't ever settle for that guy. And I'm talking to the guys tonight, so let me say this, guys, don't ever make her have to settle. If that girl at school is weak, you be the strong person, you be the strength, you be the one that stands up and takes, takes what? That's, that's how we are supposed to do it. So really, I'm going to try to wrap this up real quick with this. Here's, the, here's what it comes down to. Everything I've talked about tonight, biblical manhood, culture, the way that we see it, it all comes down to this one simple thing, and it's this. We don't have a manhood problem. We have a gospel problem. The gospel is what makes you see life differently. If you're looking at things this way and you're involved in these things, I'm going to say this because of what Scripture says. I'm going to say that the gospel hasn't had an effect on your life. I don't care if you've walked an aisle, if you've got baptized, if you've recited a thousand things of Scripture. If your life has not changed, the gospel has not affected your life. And so, therefore, you have no idea what it means to be a man of God. I told you I was going to come on you tonight, but I love you. You guys that are seniors in here, you were my guys the whole time that you've been in student ministry. I think of you as sons. I'm going to have real conversations with you, uh, and for every, every, every one of you guys. Why? Because biblically speaking, you are a man. Culture has not called you to stand up yet, but Scripture has called you years ago. It's time for you to stand up and start being a man of God because our world needs to see it. We have a gospel problem is what it comes down to. We have forgotten the fact that everything that I've talked about before this in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 was pre-the fall, was pre-the the separation, the sin that took place in the garden. That's God's original design. We know what happened. Sin has affected us in this. We've broken the original design, and now the world is turned upside down. People always like to say, Jesus turned my world upside down. No, he doesn't. He turns your world right side up. So we're, we're living in a world that's upside down right now. We see things upside down. We see things backwards. But we really haven't had the chance to just let the gospel penetrate our life. What is the gospel? The fact that sin caused Adam and Eve to be separated from God. The presence where God, the abode of God, was the, was the garden. That was where the presence of man, the presence of God, coexisted. It was a place of, of just bliss. Sin came, we were banished from the garden, humanity is separated, there's a separation between our creator and, our, and, and us, and so now we don't have fellowship the way that we were intended to do it, the way that we were intended to create and cultivate, live in this world of bliss. Now we live in a world where culture tells us something different, to where, to where we, we go out and we work the fields and the labor is hard, childbirth is hard, all of these things are hard. Why? Because they're the results of sin. But hey, Hallelujah! The Gospel tells us that Jesus took all of those things The sin, all of the sin that entangles us and snares us up, he took all of your sin and he put it on the cross with him. And when he died on the cross, all of your sin was buried with Jesus. And here's the cool thing about it. The penalty was paid for the wages of sin is death. Jesus buries your sin. And then we know that it had effect. Why? Because Jesus, three days later, walked out of the grave. And guess what he walked out of the grave without Your sin and my sin. Why? Because he buried it. He conquered it. He's over it. Case closed. Now we have freedom. Now we have the ability to live back in in communion with God. We don't have a culture problem. We don't have a... a a, a manhood problem we have a gospel problem that's what all of this boils down to men we have to be the ones to lead out in the cause and say i surrender i can't do this on my own anymore I'm so sick and tired of the world trying to tell me what to do. The world has all of my friends so warped. They're depressed. There's sexual promiscuity going on. Sex is abounding. We even know people that have committed suicide because they can't fit into a specific role that culture has told them they need to fit into. They don't look at it through the Bible. It's done nothing but confuse people. I give up. I surrender. And then the journey starts. And from that point, we have to do these things called, we have to reject passivity. Because, man, if we're not careful, we just want to go home, we want to sit on our couch, we don't want to do a thing, when we get married, we don't want to talk to our family, we don't want to talk to our wife, and guess what we have? A very stale marriage. We don't reject passivity. We don't accept responsibility. We don't lead courageously, and here it comes. We don't invest eternally. Adam did not invest eternally. Adam got the thing that was right in front of him. He's like, yes, I'll take some of that. Give that to me because I feel pretty stinking good right now. Now we're back to the whole dating thing. We don't know about long-suffering, patience, waiting focusing on things eternally. I'm going to focus and save myself for something much more spectacular than what I could have ever imagined that I'll be in right now. I know this because I did not live that way when I was growing up. I didn't. And I have a ton of scars in my life now. I care too much about you guys to watch you cut yourself like that. We have a gospel problem. So I want to encourage you, as you look to to biblical manhood, I want to encourage you to really ask yourself, have I got off the sideline? Have I got into the game? Have I surrendered my life to the Lord? Because if you've not, what are you waiting on? The gospel is preached right here every week. I know it has been for eight years. And I know it has been for the past Past year the gospel is proclaimed right here the bible is brought it's open the texts are are, are spoken of you hear and see the power of god what are you waiting on hey i've got saved bob i've gave my life to the lord awesome i'm gonna sound like a pastor now when did you get baptized oh i've i've not you know what you have a gospel problem because when the gospel affects your life, immediately you want to start following in the footsteps of Jesus. And the, 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 uh, the, 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 the Ethiopian eunuch did the very thing. When Isaiah made sense to him, when Philip proclaimed what the scriptures were saying, and he saw water after he gave his life to the Lord, he said, look, 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 there's water right there. What's holding me from being baptized there? But that's not how culture does it. Why? It's not that we have a manhood problem. We have a gospel problem. Because why? Men will not surrender to the gospel. Case in point, who brought you here tonight, your mom or your dad? Most of you will probably say your mom. It's in the house. Break that curse tonight. There we go. It's very hot in here. We need you. We need you. What does your ideal man look like? Put you on the spot, I know. Go for it. In their what? In their faith. What does their faith mean? It means, uh, they look their heart. Do you want him to lead you in that? When you're married, I don't make this stuff up, guys. Don't shoot the messenger. If you do, you better aim up and shoot a long way. This is why. young ladies are looking for men to lead, and guess what? If their dad is absent in the house, they're going to grab onto any man that they can. Why? Because they need for a man to lead. I am imploring you tonight lead I don't want it to get emotional here I'm not going to pull Ben up here you can go get the middle schoolers but I am going to encourage you with this is that the proof will be in the pudding it's not what you do with tonight it's what you do from tonight and the rest of your life And friend, you really can walk out of here tonight and be like dude he's not cool anymore he like came down on us really hard and you know what it's like I told my wife. She said, honey, don't, don't bring up the dating thing. It took you a long time to get over that whole date, don't date till you graduate reputation that you had when you first got here. I'm I know. She said, don't, don't bring that up because they're not going to like you. I say this with 100% sincerity. I hope that you like me. Okay. But if you choose not to like me and you've heard Jesus speak through me tonight, success. I don't care if you never talk to me again. My point is to be as forthcoming with you as I can. We have a problem. We need for men to stand up, create and cultivate, reject passivity. You need to accept responsibility. You need to lead courageously, and you need to invest eternally. Fair? Let's pray. Father.